If you have your Bibles with you, I'd invite you to turn with me once again to the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 6. We return to our study of the Lord's Prayer. If you've been here a while at Ascension, you know that we started a couple months ago now a series on the Lord's Prayer from Matthew chapter 6, taking these petitions one by one as the Lord gives them to His followers and uh, unpacking them and meditating on them. Uh, We took a brief break for Easter and the Sundays leading up to Easter, but now we return to it. This is the fourth sermon in this brief series. We have three more to go today and then two more, and it's the fourth request that we'll meditate on this morning. And so follow along in your copies of God's Word or on the screen behind me if you would. Stand for the reading of God's Word. Matthew chapter 6, I'm going to read the entirety of Jesus' instruction, Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 13, but we're going to be focusing on what you see bolded before you. That's my bolding, not the Scriptures. Give us this day our daily bread. Listen as I read, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. Give us this day our daily bread. Bread. It's where we set our hearts together for the next few minutes. There's a sense when we pray this petition that we are coming back to earth. What I mean by that is that the first three weeks of this study, we have been on the heights in a sense, haven't we? Jesus has instructed us to pray, hallowing the name of God, hallowing His majestic and holy name. We've been learning to pray that the kingdom would come and that God's will would be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And all of these petitions that Jesus teaches us to pray at the beginning of this prayer have revolved around one thing, the glory of our God. Therefore, we have learned or we have been reminded of the fact that our God is not a personal vending machine, that He is not sitting on high waiting for us to make a selection so that He can fulfill our preferences and our pleasures. No, our God, the one true God, the triune God, does all things that He might be glorified. For there is nothing greater. There is no one greater. And so therefore, for us His creatures, those made in His image, there is no activity higher for us and more satisfying for us 
than living and praying to the glory of God. And so when Jesus teaches His disciples to pray and us here this morning through His Word, He first sets our minds here. He wants us to linger here. Because He knows that that's not how we naturally are, right? When we pray. Left to ourselves, the focus of our prayers always comes right back to us. John Calvin, the great Swiss theologian and pastor in Geneva, Switzerland, in writing on this prayer, wrote this. He says, in making those requests or these requests, we are to keep God's glory alone before our eyes while leaving ourselves out of consideration. Well, today, as we move to the fourth petition, we might say we bring ourselves back into consideration. Or to quote Calvin again, We descend to our own affairs. It's not that God's glory is absent from our affairs or absent from the rest of this prayer. God's glory is through all things. Whatever you do, do to the glory of God, Paul told the church at Corinth. But now that we have established that God and His glory are preeminent and before all things, now we can move to what one author calls the most human of all petitions. Give us this day our daily bread. So there are three simple truths really centered on the three key words in that petition that I want to focus on this morning. The three key words are give, bread, and daily And the first point and truth is this. You are God's personal concern. You, brothers and sisters, are God's personal concern. I want to begin, in a sense, by thinking about where we were weeks ago, marveling what Jesus invites us to do now. Because one of the most striking things about this prayer is the fact that we can even pray it. In a sense, I'm coming full circle back to where we began with the address, our Father. Right? Jesus gave us that form of address. We're not entitled to that. This is not a prayer that everyone on planet earth is entitled to. This is something that is ours by virtue of Jesus' work, by virtue of the gospel. The gospel assures us of that standing. Our Father in heaven. But for the first time in this prayer, the kind of absolute dependency that addressing God as our Father conveys is revealed. For the first time, that dependency finds an outlet in the word give. Give us. Give us. There's a rawness. There's a boldness. There's an urgency to that phrase. Now, when I say it like that, you parents are saying, well, I would never let my child just come in and say, give me dinner. Jesus is not saying to address our Father in irreverence, but to address our Father in honesty, in boldness, as a God who knows our frame, who remembers that we are dust. Psalm 103, verse 14 We as humans are so easily ruled by our stomachs, aren't we? Those of us with kids know how our kids just can't function. Dad, I'm starving. 
I can't do that. I need some food first. Brothers and sisters, we're reminded by the invitation to pray this request that God knows our frailty. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. He knows that in order for us to focus on His glory above everything else, we need to have the necessities of our own existence taken care of, at least in some measure. And so He makes us His personal concern. And what does He make His concern? Well, our bread, but we're going to wait on our bread for just a moment. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but I... I thought I'd bring up the fact that some of the early church fathers had trouble with this request. Because it's it's seemingly abrupt shift from the glories of heaven, right? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, to suddenly the stuff of earth. And so they would argue, some of these early church fathers would argue that surely Jesus wasn't calling us to pray for protein and starches. Surely Jesus wouldn't teach us to pray like that. But that the bread Jesus is speaking of is some symbolic reality that we all really need. Kind of this poo-pooing of that hunger pain in your stomach. While it's true, as Jesus Himself said, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. While it's true that Jesus described Himself as the bread of life. And while it's true... That this is the bread. He is the bread that we need before any other. This is not the kind of bread that Jesus is telling us to pray for. Not some pie-in-the-sky spiritual reality. No, give us bread means just that. Give us bread. And not just grains and yeast and flour, but everything necessary for our physical existence. Food and shelter and protection and healing. See, the physical matters. It's a problem with some of the early church fathers. Is they wanted to make the whole Christian life just all about spiritual realities and deny the fact that our physical selves mean something. They matter. God created all that we see. He created all that we taste and He pronounced it good to be enjoyed. And so give us what we need to live. Another way to say that petition is an acknowledgement then that God is the God of the universe who made you flesh and bone with cravings and tastes and everything else. And He's not just concerned that you know Jesus, that you be spiritually fed and focused. He is. He's not just concerned that eyes are fixed on His glory and that you're living by His Spirit. He is. But He is concerned that your bellies are filled and that you're enjoying what He has given you to enjoy. What an amazing fact that the God of the universe makes you and I His personal concern. And so a simple prayer for provision matters. The thankful acknowledgement as we sit down and break bread together and share a meal together as families matters. We've been looking at the catechisms of our faith, which are so good at unpacking the Lord's Prayer. I've said this to you before. But particularly this week, the larger catechism, the Westminster Larger Catechism, 
spends half of its answer amazed that we can pray this. Listen to what it says. Acknowledging that in Adam and by our own sin, we have forfeited our right to all the outward blessings of this life and deserve to be wholly deprived of them by God and to have them cursed to us in the use of them and that neither they or of themselves are able to sustain us nor we merit or by our own industry procure them but prone to desire, get, and use them unlawfully. We pray for ourselves and others that both they and we enjoy a competent portion of them. That's a mouthful, and I didn't even read the whole answer. There's more than a mouthful there. And perhaps you could accuse these Westminster divines, as we call the guys who get together, the church leaders, the church fathers who got together and wrote this document. Perhaps we could call them downers, but I don't think we should. I think we should recognize that these men had sober assessments of themselves and recognize that they don't deserve anything, let alone the sweetness of a Hawaiian roll. So the fact that Jesus invites us to say, our Father, give us bread. And the fact that that implies that our personal needs are His concern is simply amazing. And it's an occasion for worship and wonder and gratitude. But that's just the word give. There's more truth to think about. And the second truth I want us to meditate on for a moment is this. Live by faith, but work hard. Live by faith, but work hard. See, what I want us to see in this second truth is that the word bread, the word bread is a picture of dependence. Do you know where your food comes from? That's something that local growers like to throw out. They like to challenge us. Do you know where your food comes from? That issue is a discussion for a different time in a different place, but the question is valid. If you ask your six-year-old, where does our food come from? The answer you will get is something like it comes from the garden. It comes from Costco. It comes from Amazon even. It's delivered to my door in a cardboard box. But we all know there's so much more to it, right? It was delivered to the grocery store by a distributor. It was shipped to a distributor by a packaging plant. It was delivered to the packaging plant by the bakery. It was made by the bakery from ingredients that they gathered from various farms. Those ingredients were grown and tended to by the skills of a farmer. And then finally, those ingredients were watered and given sunlight by the God of the universe who causes the sun to rise and the rain to fall on everyone. That's where your food came from. And through all these secondary means, they're God's provisions in getting bread to us. And yet we seem to forget about the dependence of it all. The farmer, believe me, he knows how dependent he is. But in our modern world, because of technology, because of our plenty, We struggle to keep this at the forefront of our minds, that there's a cosmic power at work 
not just as we pray for a supernatural cure to cancer, but there's a cosmic power at work that enabled you to have toast to put in the toaster this morning. And so in praying for our daily bread, Jesus is reminding us to acknowledge, as Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. James 1, every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. And ultimately, all that you need is out of your control. And you're very rarely reminded of that when it comes to what you put in your mouth, aren't you? How many of us can say that we really have gone hungry not knowing where we were going to get our next meal? I hope none of us. See, Moses warned the people of God in Deuteronomy 8 that this would be a struggle for them. Listen to this passage that God gives Israel in Deuteronomy 8. He says, Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments and His rules and His statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you will forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. Beware, lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant He swore to your fathers as it is this day. The struggle for us in the modern world is no different than it was for the nation of Israel long ago. And so by being taught to pray this request by the Lord Jesus, we are reminded to keep before ourselves the fact that all comes from Him. Ever mindful that we're dependent creatures, called to live by faith, but also to work hard. Called not to be anxious about where our necessities will come from, but instead to seek the kingdom of God first. Called not to store up treasures on earth, but focus on the things that can be accumulated in heaven. And this does not mean, this does not mean that we sit on our hands. It does not mean that we don't store or save. No, we acknowledge the source of what we earn. We work hard. We pray for wisdom to handle everything that God gives to us. But remember, it's from him. Joseph, remember Joseph? He stored. He stored quite a bit. He wisely prepared. And then, of course, the wisdom of the Proverbs, Proverbs 6 go to the Anne of Sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief officer or ruler, she prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. Proverbs 13 22, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's. Children, And so we live by faith. We pray with faith and with a humble recognition that it is all from Him. And yet we work. We toil. But we do so in that context. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, to benefit from the catechisms of our heritage, the Heidelberg Catechism question and answer 
125 says this, what does the fourth request mean? Give us this day our daily bread means. Do take care of all of our physical needs so that we may come to know that You are the only source of everything good and that neither our work and worry nor Your gifts can do any good without Your blessing. And so help us to give up our trust in creatures and to put our trust in You alone. We live by faith. We trust in the One who loves us, the One who gave Himself for us, who provides everything we need. But do we know what we need? Do we know what we need? That's the last place I want to take our hearts to this morning briefly. The third truth. Strive to be content with what you are given. Strive to be content with what you are given. We've looked at the word give. We've looked at the word bread. Now how about that word daily? Why daily? You see, daily expresses contentment. There's a Greek word in this request that we don't find anywhere else in the Scriptures except for in Luke's account of the very same prayer. Do you know what word it is? It's the word daily. It's a word that seeks to capture an emphasis that the Lord seeks elsewhere to instill in His people. Namely, that in praying for daily bread, we are praying for the bread of necessity, not the bread of luxury. We are praying for just enough. It's the prayer of Agur in Proverbs 30, verse 7 through 9. Two things I ask of you deny them not to me before I die, remove far from me falsehood and lying. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is needful for me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do you understand, brothers and sisters? Give us this day our daily bread is not a prayer for prosperity. It's not a prayer for bread coming out of your ears. It's bread for today. We're praying for that same sweet spot of contentment that we heard in that prayer from the book of Proverbs. Having just what we need. And this is hard to do. It's always been hard to do. How easily we can turn once into needs. God loves us. He wants you. He's made you His personal concern. He wants you to enjoy the good things that He gives. But He wants you to be content and satisfied in Him ultimately, not in those good things. And so like David, we cry out, because your steadfast love is better than life, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. You see, brothers and sisters, this is a petition, short petition, that combats so many things 
that I, for one, find bubbling up in my own heart. It combats idolatry. It combats ingratitude. It combats pride. And it combats discontentment. And it seeks to put in its place all the opposites. Dependence, recognition and gratitude, humility and contentment. You are God's personal concern. Therefore, live by faith and work hard and be content with what you've been given. Let's pray for the grace to do that very thing. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you once again for the teaching of our Lord Jesus who lived this perfectly Though we know that we won't live these words perfectly, God, we want to grow. We want to grow in humility. We want to grow in dependence. We want to grow in acknowledgement of who you are and of what you've done. And so I pray, as I prayed at the very beginning of our time together, that you would take these words, that you would apply them, plant them deep in the hearts and lives of your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.